Section 10 of The Fable of the Bees by Bernard Mandeville. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Line 167. The worst of all the multitude did something for the common good. This, I know, will seem to be a strange paradox to many, and I shall be asked what benefit the public receives from thieves and housebreakers. They are, I own, very pernicious to human society, and every government ought to take all imaginable care to root out and destroy them. Yet if all people were strictly honest, and nobody would meddle with or pry into anything but his own, half the smiths of the nation would want employment, and abundance of workmanship, which now serves for ornament as well as defense, is to be seen everywhere both in town and country, that would never have been thought of, but to secure us against the attempts of pilferers and robbers. If what I have said be thought far-fetched, and my assertion seems a paradox, I desire the reader to look upon the consumption of things, and he will find that the laziest and most unactive, the profligate and most mischievous, are all forced to do something for the common good. And whilst their mouths are not sewed up, and they continue to wear and otherwise destroy what the industrious are daily employed about to make, fetch and procure, in spite of their teeth obliged to help, maintain the poor and the public charges. The labor of millions would soon be at an end, if there were not other millions, as I say in the fable, employed, to see their handiworks destroyed. But men are not to be judged by the consequences that may succeed their actions, but the facts themselves, and the motives which it shall appear they acted from. If an ill-natured miser, who is almost a plum, and spends but fifty pounds a year, though he has no relation to inherit his wealth, should be robbed of five hundred or a thousand guineas, it is certain that as soon as this money should come to circulate, the nation would be better for the robbery, and receive the same, and as a real benefit from it, as if an archbishop had left the same sum to the public. Yet justice and the peace of society require that he or they who robbed the miser should be hanged, though there were half a dozen of them concerned. Thieves and pickpockets steal for a livelihood, and either what they can get honestly is not sufficient to keep them, or else they have an aversion to constant working. They want to gratify their senses, have victuals, strong drink, lewd women, and to be idle when they please. The victualler who entertains them and takes their money, knowing which way they come at it, is very near as great a villain as his guests. But if he fleeces them well, minds his business, and is a prudent man, he may get money and be punctual with them he deals with. The trusty outclerk, whose chief aim is his master's profit, sends him in what beer he wants and takes care not to lose his custom. While the man's money is good, he thinks it no business of his to examine whom he gets it by. In the meantime, the wealthy brewer, who leaves all the management to his servants, knows nothing of the matter, but keeps his coach, treats his friends, and enjoys his pleasure with ease and a good conscience. He gets an estate, builds houses, and educates his children in plenty, without ever thinking on the labor which wretches perform, the shifts fools make, and the tricks knaves play to come at the commodity, by the vast sale of which he amasses his great riches. A highwayman, having met with a considerable booty, gives a poor common harlot, he fancies, ten pounds to new-rig her from top to toe. Is there a spruce mercer so conscientious that he will refuse to sell her a thread satin, though he knew who she was? She must have shoes and stockings, gloves, the stay and mantua-maker, the sempstress, the linen-draper, all must get something by her, and a hundred different tradesmen depended on those she laid her money out with, may touch part of it before a month is at an end. The generous gentleman, in the meantime, his money being near spent, ventured again on the road, 
but the second day having committed a robbery near highgate he was taken with one of his accomplices and the next sessions both were condemned and suffered the law the money due on their conviction fell to three country fellows on whom it was admirably well bestowed one was an honest farmer a sober painstaking man but reduced by misfortunes the summer before by the mortality among the cattle he had lost six cows out of ten and now his landlord to whom he owed thirty pounds had seized on all his stock the other was a day laborer who struggled hard with the world had a sick wife at home and several small children to provide for the third was a gentleman's gardener who maintained his father in prison where being bound for a neighbor he had lain for twelve pounds almost a year and a half this act of filial duty was the more meritorious because he had for some time been engaged to a young woman whose parents lived in good circumstances but would not give their consent before our gardener had fifty guineas of his own to show they received above fourscore pounds each which extricated every one of them out of the difficulties they laboured under and made them in their opinion the happiest people in the world nothing is more destructive either in regard to the health or the vigilance and industry of the poor than the infamous liquor the name of which derived from juniper and dutch is now by frequent use and the laconic spirit of the nation from a word of middling length shrunk into monosyllable intoxicating gin that charms the inactive the desperate and crazy of either sex and makes the starving sot behold his rags and nakedness with stupid indolence or banter both in senseless laughter and more insipid jests it is a fiery lake that sets the brain in flame burns up the entrails and scorches every part within and at the same time a lethe of oblivion in which the wretch immersed to drowns his most pinching cares and with his reason all anxious reflection on brats that cry for food hard winter's frosts and horrid empty home in hot and adust tempers it makes men quarrelsome renders them brutes and savages sets them on to fight for nothing and has often been the cause of murder it has broke and destroyed the strongest constitutions thrown them into consumptions and been the fatal and immediate occasion of apoplexies frenzies and sudden death but as these latter mischiefs happen but seldom they might be overlooked and connived at but this cannot be said of the many diseases that are familiar to the liquor and which are daily and hourly produced by it such as loss of appetite fevers black and yellow jaundice convulsions stone and gravel dropsies and leucophlegmacies among the doting admirers of this liquid poison many of the meanest rank from a sincere affection to the commodity itself become dealers in it and take delight to help others to what they love themselves as whores commence bauds to make the profits of one trade subservient to the pleasures of the other but as these starvelings commonly drink more than their gains they seldom by selling mend the wretchedness of condition they laboured under while they were only buyers in the fag end and outskirts of the town and all places of the vilest resort it is sold in some part or other of almost every house frequently in cellars and sometimes in the garret the petty traders in this stygian comfort are supplied by others in somewhat higher station that keep professed brandy shops and are as little to be envied as the former and among the middling people i know not a more miserable shift for a livelihood than their calling whoever would thrive in it must in the first place be of a watchful and suspicious as well as bold and resolute temper that he may not be imposed upon by cheats and sharpers nor outbullied by the oaths and imprecations of hackney coachmen and foot-soldiers in the second he ought to be a dabster at gross jokes and loud laughter and have all the winning ways to allure customers and draw out their money 
and may be well versed in the low jests and railleries the mob make use of to banter prudence and frugality. He must be affable and obsequious to the most despicable, always ready and officious to help a porter down with his load, shake hands with a basket woman, pull off his hat to an oyster wench, and be familiar with a beggar. With patience and good humor he must be able to endure the filthy actions and viler language of nasty drabs and the lewdest rakels, and without a frown, or the least aversion, bear with all the stench and squalor, noise and impertinence, that the utmost indigence, laziness, and ebriety can produce in the most shameless and abandoned vulgar. The vast number of shops I speak of throughout the city and suburbs are an astonishing evidence of the many seducers that, in a lawful occupation, are accessory to the introduction and increase of all the sloth, sottishness, want, and misery which the abuse of strong waters is the immediate cause of, to lift above the mediocrity perhaps half a score men that deal in the same commodity by wholesale, while, among the retailers, though qualified as I required, a much greater number are broke and ruined, for not abstaining from the Circean cup they hold out to others, and the more fortunate are their whole lifetime obliged to take the uncommon pains, endure the hardships, and swallow all the ungrateful and shocking things I named, for little or nothing beyond a bare sustenance, and their daily bread. The short-sighted vulgar in the chain of causes seldom can see further than one link, but those who can enlarge their view, and will give themselves the leisure of gazing on the prospect of concatenated events, may, in a hundred places, see good spring up and pullulate from evil, as naturally as chickens do from eggs. The money that arises from the duties upon malt is a considerable part of the national revenue, and should no spirits be distilled from it, the public treasure would prodigiously suffer on that head. But if we would set in a true light the many advantages and large catalogues of solid blessings that accrue from and are owing to the evil I treat of, we are to consider the rents that are received, the ground that is tilled, the tools that are made, the cattle that are employed, and above all, the multitude of poor that are maintained by the variety of labor requited in husbandry, in malting, in carriage and distillation, before we can have the product of malt, which we call low wines, and is but the beginning from which the various spirits are afterwards to be made. Besides this, a sharp-sighted, good-humored man might pick up abundance of good from the rubbish, which I have flung away for evil. He would tell me that whatever sloth and sottishness might be occasioned by the abuse of malt spirits, the moderate use of it was of inestimable benefit to the poor, who could purchase no cordials of higher prices, that it was an universal comfort, not only in cold and weariness, but most of the afflictions that are peculiar to the necessitous, and had often to the most destitute supplied the places of meat, drink, clothes, and lodging. That the stupid indolence in the most wretched condition occasioned by those composing drafts, which I complained of, was a blessing to thousands, for that certainly those were the happiest who felt the least pain. As to diseases, he would say, that, as it caused some, so it cured others, and that if the excess in those liquors had been sudden death to some few, the habit of drinking them daily prolonged the lives of many, whom once it agreed with. That for the loss sustained from the insignificant quarrels it created at home, we were overpaid in the advantage we received from it abroad, by upholding the courage of soldiers, and animating the sailors to the combat and that in the two last wars no considerable victory had been obtained without. To the dismal account I have given of the retailers, and what they are forced to submit to, he would answer, that not many acquired more than middling riches in any trade, 
and that what I had counted so offensive and intolerable in the calling was trifling to those who were used to it. What seemed irksome and calamitous to some was delightful and often ravishing to others, as men differed in circumstances and education. He would put me in mind that the profit of an employment ever made amends for the toil and labor that belonged to it, nor forget dulcis odor lucri ere qualibet, or to tell me that the smell of gain was fragrant even to night-workers. If I should ever urge to him that to have here and there one great and eminent distiller was a poor equivalent for the vile means, the certain want, and lasting misery of so many thousand wretches as were necessary to raise them, he would answer, that of this I could be no judge, because I do not know what vast benefit they might afterwards be of to the commonwealth. Perhaps, he would say, the man thus raised will exert himself in the commission of the peace or other station with vigilance and zeal against the dissolute and disaffected, and retaining his stirring temper, be as industrious in spreading loyalty and the reformation of manners throughout every cranny of the wide populous town as once he was in filling it with spirits, till he becomes at last the scourge of whores, of vagabonds and beggars, the terror of rioters and discontented rabbles, and constant plague to Sabbath-breaking butchers. Here my good-humoured antagonist would exult and triumph over me, especially if he could instance to me such a bright example. What an uncommon blessing, would he cry out, is this man to his country? How shining and illustrious his virtue! To justify his exclamation, he would demonstrate to me that it was impossible to give a fuller evidence of self-denial in a grateful mind than to see him at the expense of his quiet and hazard of his life and limbs, be always harassing, and even for trifles, persecuting that very class of men to whom he owes his fortune, from no other motive than his aversion to idleness, and great concern for religion and the public welfare. End of section 10